Welcome back, nerds. We're the 12-sided guys. We have Matt as Pine. Hi. Scott as Roos. That's me. Jordan as Ebby. Salutations. Sabrina as Nari. Hey there. And me, Paul, as all your favorite NPCs. Favorites like Berta the Librarian. Yep. Aaliyah Brava. I, I was going to say glub, glub, glub. <laughs> She's a glub, glub, glub. <laughs> What's the sound of rotting underwater while fish eat your flesh? But also filled with rocks. <laughs> yes. <laughs> of course, Gob, the decapitated gobloid. Gob, gob, gob. <laughs> I had my scarf on when you said that. Could you translate? <laughs> I will private message you that later. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing with Gob's decapitated head, Paul? Oh, uh, uh, anyway, well, we're glad to bring you this content, which you must be enjoying at this point. I mean, I guess there's probably at least one guy out there that's reached this point in the podcast and is thoroughly not enjoying it. <laughs> and to you, good sir, Mr. I'm not enjoying this podcast. I've put 100 plus hours into listening to. I say it's OK. Go ahead and turn it off. You don't have to listen anymore. But leave us a five-star review before you go. Thanks. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) And to everyone else, thanks for spreading the word about us. Don't forget, we have a Patreon, which gets you some bonus content and even a special little gift from us. And we have Fanix coming up in less than two months. So come to the Intermountain West, meet us, and sing with us somewhere afterwards. Some of us will be there the whole convention, but all five of us will be in attendance on Saturday, September 24th, so you can expect a gathering to happen that night. Woo, fall break! I've been practicing my karaoke skills, and I can tell you they are adequate. <laughs> Not like our latest patron, Trevor. From what I hear, his rendition of I'm Too Sexy by Right Said Fred is mwah, chef's kiss. So, Trevor, thanks for becoming a patron, and thanks preemptively for soothing our ear holes with your melodious melody. <laughs> oh, we're doing that again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, here we go. Anyway, if while venturing around the province of High Rock, you were shocked the first time you changed your clothes, then this podcast is for you. It's the Crystal Codex, episode 75. because I was literally about to say that. I did. I sorry. I preempted you. Oh my God. That was a solid joke. I literally almost said the same thing. <laughs> well, it's because oh, you've said it every time we mention this. All right. <laughs> I was just doing what you do. Okay, well, that's fair. <laughs> Welcome back to Pavantis. Last time we were together, our heroes, Nari and the boys, we're in the city of Calta, in the city-states of Racolia, uh, the former Almerian province. And the city of Calta used to be a uh, like a logging town where um, there was a river that ran through it. And after the shattering, thanks to our heroes, suddenly it is a coastal city. The Sapphire Sea swelled and actually destroyed a third of the city, which is now underwater. Um, our heroes arrived and started looking for clues um, as to where this uh, facility that they had heard about, where maybe deacons or ormex were um, either being 
worked on or kind of brought to life, utilized by the empire, was close by in the mountains nearby. After some uh, digging around, talking with different people in town, they discovered that apparently uh, the facility was under the control of some scavengers, sort of a, a rough and tumble, uh, sort of a gang of uh, relic seekers. Um, and our party was warned not to mess with them because they are a tough group that do not like outsiders poking their nose into their business. If they were cookies, they'd be the tough kind. Yes, yes, they would be the tough kind of cookie. Oatmeal raisin. (laughs) (laughs) Pine also learned that apparently the forest to the southwest is no longer as safe as it used to be. Um, There is something large moving in the forest, not that far from town. Um, Lastly, Ebby noticed that there was a deacon at this temple to Lord Ornithor um, and had Amarok follow the deacon to determine where it was in an attempt to potentially free this deacon, this Ormac. Our heroes convened for a lunch at the Eastbridge Inn in a private dining room and they were discussing what to do next when suddenly Amarok sent a message to Ebby saying that he had been shot and he was fleeing for his life. And that is where we left our party, all of them in this private dining room. We have to save that cat! Yes, I've got to go now. And Ebby is bolting for the door. Pine also is chasing after Ebby. Did Ebby explain to us what's happening, or is he just running out the door? I believe we ended the last one with him being like, with him saying that Amarok's been shot. Okay, then Nari will follow right behind. What was for lunch? (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness. Okay. Um, So, Roos, you staying behind (laughs) waiting for your... No, no, no. I was was just going to grab like a handful. Like if there was something to eat, like... Weren't you guys going to get like ceviche? He might want to put it in his like satchel for later. <laughs> we did talk about some ceviche. We, we just did grab the- a handful of raw fish cubes and <laughs> no food had come yet, though. But the kitchen is through the other door. So I'm sure you could re- run in, grab something and run out. <laughs> um, as you guys are all running out the door, the innkeeper looks at you and he says, oh, uh, do you still want your dinner? It's lunch and we'll be back. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be back for dinner. I, Roos says through like a mouthful of ceviche. <laughs> <laughs> you guys bolt out the door of the East Bridge Inn, kind of this um, within the city proper, within the city walls. It's probably the most inn like place in the whole city. Um, it's kind of your traditional inn with a tavern attached and rooms upstairs, that kind of thing. Ye old public house. Yes, yes, yes. You rush through the city heading north um, because uh, Amarok had followed the owner of this deacon, who was a large, heavyset man, um, north through the city and out of um, the city walls into um, a very large and um, kind of sprawling inn called the Wooden Palisade. To quickly uh, interject on this one, Paul, now I don't know if this will make any difference, but uh, Ebby is in such a panic. The moment he got out of the indoors, he transformed into a wolf and has been taking the dash action. And I know that that separates him from the group, but Ebby's kind of in a state of desperation. 
Yeah, yeah. How, what's what's the uh, speed for a uh, for a wolf? Is it fifty? I think it's fifty. Let me let me just check real quickly. Because Pine might be able to keep up with you. It's forty. Does Ebby also have the ability to like locate Amarok? Like you you know where he is instinctively. Yeah. Okay. Pine is close behind, but losing ground. So Ebby outpaces everybody as a robotic wolf. Pine is um, right behind. Uh, I, I imagine like cane in hand, just flying through the streets. Um, and then uh, Nari and Roos bringing up the rear. Dropping a, a handful of ceviche. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, was, I was actually just remembering, we have at least one beekaboo and crumbles on the airship. Yes, you did. And so these poor animals are still there. We didn't even take them out to like stable them somewhere else. <laughs> we'll have to remember to do that. They really enjoy the sky. Actually, um, uh, 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 Feather, Feathers McGraw has been like jumping off the side of the ship and like swimming in the swimming in the sea a little bit. So Feathers is fine. And Crumbles is basically Fay. So um, Crumbles is pretty much content wherever. Enough about that. We must save the cat. As you guys rush north, you can see as you leave the city that the streets change from this kind of yellow clay brick into uh, hard packed dirt. And you can see up ahead this large uh, sprawling uh, inn. It is quite large. It's uh, The outside is um, like plaster um, and brick, but um, it looks like uh, it is basically two large wings um, of this building. It's all one f- one story, but um, it does cover a lot of property. Um, as you guys approach the inn, what are you guys doing? Oh, and by the way, you guys are approaching from the south, just in case you guys were wondering. Okay, so there's a robot dog, like straight up robot dog. Yes. Oh my god, does he have a gun attached to him? <laughs> I know, it's so <laughs> rad. <laughs> As, as Pine is running after this robot wolf through the uh, through the the city, they'd be like, "Don't worry, I got it from Houghton. It's just a crazy one of their little inventions. Just getting away from me." <laughs> and I'll be running after it. Yeah, there are definitely some looks. There are definitely some looks. Um, one as you guys are running, why don't you guys make a quick like insight checks? I continue my awesome rolls when it comes to insight with an eleven. Nari rolled a twenty-four. Bruce rolled a 30. Uh, of course, you gotta show me up. Sorry. Oh uh, 14 for Ebby. I imagine Pine is huffing and puffing so hard, worried he's gonna have a heart attack. Like, he's checking his pulse as he's running, you know? Um, and uh, Ebby is so um, so caught up in uh, trying to figure out what's going on with Amarok uh, that they don't notice as much. Like, Pine's kind of shouting out an apology, basically. But Roos and Nari bringing up the rear, you guys both realize as you're running along that, yes, Ebby does get some looks, but not as startled as you would expect. More like, oh, there's a little inconvenience going by, or oh, there, here's some excitement, as opposed to what is this robot dog doing uh, in our city type of thing. Maybe they've seen this before. Ebby, you get to um, the wooden palisade, this large, this large inn. Um, yeah, I would think Ebby is trying to frantically communicate with uh, Amarok to try to coordinate like where are you and um the moment he gets like to the building he will have recognized it having seen it through amarok's eyes Mm -hmm. um and so he will like stop and reconfigure back into a normal shape you've lost your uh your disguised self though yeah i am i look like a deacon for the moment that's right 
Although technically, Epi, because of your skill, you can do it as an action for free. Yep. Yeah, because it's an Eldritch invocation. Well, fantastic. Congratulations. So, <laughs> yeah, so Ebby, Ebby will kind of like grind to a halt, you know, stop on all fours. Uh, in a swirl of his cloak, um, he kind of stands up and reconfigures into himself and kind of ducks into the alley or to the side. Not really an alley. I don't know if there's an alley, but to the side of the building along the south end, quickly get his disguised self back in into position. As you do that, um, you recognize that um, this is the corner that um, the figure was actually standing at that shot at Amarok. When Amarok glanced back, he looked back at this corner of the building. There's not really alleyways here. Out, out here, the, the buildings are separated enough. There, are, there is spacing between the buildings, but you wouldn't necessarily call it like an alley. So this is just kind of like around the corner on a side yard type of thing. But you are standing basically where the figure was standing that shot Amarok. Got it. So I think with that, then Ebby's probably realizes it as you say it right now. So he'll start kind of looking around and just seeing like peering down the building to see if he sees somebody ducking around a corner or any suspicious looking individuals or anything like that. Why don't you make an investigation check? I have really good investigation, just like mind blowing. Oh, not bad. I have a negative one for my modifier, but I rolled a 16. So I got a 15 for investigation. Nice. Nice. I'll say with with that 15, as you are standing there, you feel um, and sense a presence at your shoulder as Amarok, invisible, appears next to you. I mean, it, it not necessarily appears, but he uh, approaches you and you recognize that he's there. But as you're kind of looking around, you can see um, in kind of there's a little bit of grass here next to the side of the building and um, kind of sprinkled in the grass. You see these shards, these little shards of um, almost looks like glass, um, and they, there is this um, kind of this dark blue tint to it. But as you are looking, you see it kind of fade into um, into like a dull, mundane kind of kind of blue crystal. I mean, I'll, I'll pocket some of that and kind of examine it either now or later as needed. Um, as you are doing that, um, Amarok is there at your shoulder, and you do the talking for Amarok, but. Um, yeah, Amarok uh, basically went and hid and just kind of darted off and found a place to, to duck in and hide and has been like licking his wounds, um, waiting for you to get here to uh, to give him the all clear um, as Pine uh, approaches the the inn. And let's be clear, though, as a little cat, he was probably licking more than just his wounds. That's true. Um, and hey, the other you know. <laughs> It's got to do what it's got to do. And it's, it's a little fox, a winged foxy fox wolf thing. It's a foxy wolf. That's what it is. <laughs> goes, like, Wait a minute. You described it as foxy. I mean, I know this, but Pine still considers it a cat. <laughs> um, one thing to remember uh, uh, that we mentioned last time, too, is that the um, the gunshot was totally silent. Right. All right, Pine, you approach. You see Ebby here um, as he's pocketing some kind of like glass or crystal or something into one of his pockets. So Pine will come up and kind of take a position, like position himself flat up against the wall on the the the, the western wall. So if Ebby's at the corner on the south side, uh, Pine is just uh, on the upper, other side of the corner, like plastered up against the wall, back, back to the wall, like looking around. Uh, and he'll say, did you find him? Is he all right? What, what did you what is that is what are you picking up there 
He's he's here with me now. This was on the ground here. This is this is the spot where the shooter was when he took aim and fired and hit Amarok. Uh, what's strange is that there was no report of the rifle. It was completely silent. Hmm. Here, this was on the ground, and I'm going to hand him one of the crystals. Yeah, these are like shards. This is like like basically almost almost glitter sized shards, right? So just tiny um just as um Roos and ebby or Roos and nari show up and pine just so you know you're tucked up against the wall you are actually right next to a window looking into what looks like the common room um of of this this the tavern section of this inn well pine's facing the opposite way so he doesn't notice the window behind him. well let's do a perception check to see if he notices the window behind him well you said you were looking around for a shooter yeah nat 20 <laughs> so 24 so that's my perception check so i noticed the window behind me so i'll probably duck down underneath it but i'll still be looking around okay are you looking in the window or just kind of ignoring the window altogether for now i'll be looking all around because who knows maybe he maybe the shooter will have ducked into a, a, a side door and will be inside now or on the roof or whatever but i did want to ask about the the crystal like what color did you say the crystal that i got handed was um it's a blue like light blue dark blue it looks like when Ebby handed them to you, they are a blue fading into like a um, kind of just like a dusty gray. Um, but when Ebby picked them up, they were still um, relatively dark blue. Oh, so dark blue, not light blue, because that makes a difference in this world. Yeah, they were dark blue. Well, these are magical crystals, right? What what school of magic was uh, was dark blue? I don't I don't recall. Let me see. Can I roll an arcana check to see? I've, I don't have great arcana. My intelligence is not a great stat. So you, why don't we both roll then? Okay. Because I'll roll as well. I rolled a nat one. Huzzah! <laughs> <laughs> Ebby rolled a 10, but he's got minus one in intelligence, so he got a nine. You guys just can't tell, like, you guys can't differentiate the, like, blues. Honestly, it's like, it does magic, right? It's crystal, it's crystal stuff, and... We've already established that I don't understand this. Is Maybe it's like sound magic. Is there like a sound class of magic? I believe so. I'm a sound mage. I'm pretty sure Dead Mouse is a sound mage. That's what I was going to say. I'm pretty sure Ted, Tedward is a sound mage. He is. You're right. I was definitely entranced when he was playing. <laughs> yeah, bards use sound music. Um, Just now, Roos and uh, Nara, you guys have shown up and you see them looking at these crystal shards. Roos... Um, I'm not even gonna make you make a check. Uh, this is incredibly familiar to you because you used to do this. You used to use crystals for uh, magical, um, you know, magical uh, uh, results. Okay. Gross. Gross. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I can't even imagine what would make that sentence gross. So I'm impressed, Sabrina, <laughs> that you were able to imagine something gross based on that phrase. I'm sure we could come up with a handful of things. <laughs> I've got, I got several things. <laughs> <laughs> on that note, so this is going on. Um, Roos, you recognize uh, crystals that uh, are very similar to what you used to do when you were an, uh, an arcane trickster uh, back at the beginning of the campaign. Nari, remind me to bring salt when we get back for dinner. They didn't have enough salt. <laughs> Did you keep the ceviche in your pocket or? No, no, I had to drop the second handful. Heck. So, Amarok, are you okay? Well, I can't see you. Are you are you okay? He's he's fine. He's badly hurt, but Ebby kind of looks around. He looks over his shoulder. Is there a window near Ebby to look into the building? A little bit further down, yeah. yeah you can look into the building. And and Pine already saw into the building, too. I can describe what Pine saw, too. 
Oh, it's fine. I'm mostly just trying to make sure that Abby is like not right in front of like a couple eating their dinner <laughs> in like a large bay window or something. Um, he's going to turn and for while other people are doing their thing, he's going to take two actions and use his verdant light ability on Amarok to heal him for 2d6. So I'm going to go ahead and roll that beautiful bean footage. <laughs> that beautiful bean footage so he healed him for five for one of those and then another five for the second one so 10 hit points right awesome and i recall he took like 13 damage so he's still hurting a little bit but much much better yeah much better now pine as you were looking around to see what, we, what you could see you kind of glanced into the window with your natural 20 um and you could see that this is the common it looks like inside is the, a common room like a um basically like a tavern um you see that there are these tables spread out um people sitting at the tables it looks like some of them are some people are in there sitting and drinking and talking at the tables um you can see that um there is like a fireplace on the south side of the building and there is a not a stage per se, but there is like a carpet that somebody is standing up uh, in front of the uh, in front of the fireplace, and they are uh, either they're singing or they're speaking. And there's a few people paying attention to to her. Um, she has pointed ears and blonde hair, um, and you can see that uh, uh, there's a bar on the on the eastern wall. There's servers going back and forth, and with your natural twenty, you can see. I can tell that it's beat poetry. It's beat poetry night. <laughs> Can you see how cute she is with that? Um, actually, yes, you can see that she is cute. Oh. Oh, heck. <laughs> <laughs> she looks pretty young to me. I don't know. I've got to stop picking cute tokens. Um, Nari's <laughs> never going to be able to concentrate ever again. Um, but no, but Pine, as you, as you glance in real quick, you can see just with that quick glance, uh, kind of battlefield instincts take over as you get a quick survey of the scene you see armed men standing on the uh on the far eastern wall um kind of by the bar but there's a door on that back wall and they are standing casually but definitely at guard by that door i didn't see these guards at the bathhouse before like these are new uh, well with your natural 20 we'll say yes you actually did you did see them at the bar at the, the bathhouse you rolled a natural 20 with your perception um so we'll say that yes you did see these two guards um these two armed armed uh, people okay you notice that nobody inside is acting every everything seems super normal super just casual you know lunch hour crowd super natural everybody's just super natural yes very super natural well, i i don't see our assailant or his assailant any ideas? Does Amarok have any idea who attacked him? Um, let me see. Do I recall or or what was kind of the, the visual, if you don't mind kind of reiterating that for me, Paul, of what Amarok saw? Of course, yeah. Amarok was um, kind of uh, uh, had followed the figure with the deacons here to this uh, to this inn. And uh, was, I imagine, kind of looking in the window uh, to kind of see what he could see. And suddenly there was a blinding pain and he turned to look. And at the south corner of the building, there was a figure with a rifle, a smaller, shorter rifle than the rifles that um, the rifle that Daffodil now carries. And uh, there was a cloaked and hooded figure. Uh, and that was with his, I think, 10 or 11 perception check. That's as much as Amarok was able to determine before he scooted. Got it. Okay, cool. 
And Amarok was invisible when he got shot. Do we think that these people inside like have any idea? That's a good question. I was just going to say, yeah, Ebby, Ebby's going to relay exactly all of that um, to the group and that Amarok was invisible as well. As far as if anybody maybe knows anything or saw anything, we could we could definitely inquire and see. The only issue is that since Amarok was invisible and since there wasn't any sound, I guess our line of questioning would be if they saw somebody in a cloak come by just a moment ago. Well, um, <clears throat> I mean, I'm I if I have to volunteer to go in there and uh, talk to people, uh, I could do that. <laughs> I have lots of questions. There's a really cute beat poet in there. She might have seen something. Can I see that crystal that you guys found? Uh, here, it's it's nothing more than just almost dust. It's so fine right now, but here it is. And he's going to kind of sprinkle some into. Roos's gloved hand or whatever. Roos will look at it and say, this, this looks familiar. Now, the tools that I, that I used to use when I worked for Howling Talon aren't unique just to them, but these look like the tools that I used to use once upon a time. Like when you used to throw crystals at things. Yeah, you have to crack them first and then you throw it. Oh, yeah. And you used to say, cracking crystals is like a cute catchphrase. I remember but, that. Yeah, yeah. It was it, cute. Uh, it didn't stick. <laughs> do the blue crystals specifically do something or it's hard to tell i mean i think this is a type of magic but i i'm not you can make an arcana check if you want to oh man i'm not great at this surely you can beat a one 14 14 with a 14 i mean what would what did we have before like a one and like a nine with the 14, you're fairly certain that dark blue was illusion magic. So this this was illusion magic that they cast. So that, that could maybe explain why nothing was heard. Yes, would that be the school that would dampen the sound? Or even I mean, change it's all about the tricking uh, your senses, right? appearance? All of these things. Huh. Ugh, that makes things much more complicated. Well, maybe we should go inside and see if uh, anybody's acting suspicious. Or we can go finish our ceviche and then go back inside and see if anybody's acting suspicious. We'll have to bring salt back with us, though. Like, it was it was good, but they didn't salt it enough. <laughs> you think they maybe serve ceviche here? I guess we should ask. I guess I guess we should go in and uh, <laughs> see what's going on. <laughs> oh my gosh, I think I've got an idea. I'm going to go in there and I'm going to cast detect magic and see if I can feel anything. Okay, but I am going to go with you. That's a good idea. You know what? I'll I'll go with you, Ebby. Well, I'll, I'll go with you and I can use my trained senses to see if there's anything not quite, you know, up to snuff with any of the uh, people. <laughs> <laughs> Was this where he was shot? Well, this is where the shot came from. This is where it came from. Yeah, the shot happened further north, um, kind of more uh, by the corner, like by the door, uh, around the corner to the door, uh, where the door is to the to the uh, tavern. I'm going to take a minute out here and, and look around, and I'll meet you guys inside in a minute. Ebby uh, will go inside, of course. Yeah, Nari's going to follow Ebby for protection. Bruce is going to take a minute to investigate out here, and then he'll follow. I'm also just now realizing that 
an invisible familiar of one of our party members just got shot out of the blue, and the rest of us are now going inside, leaving Roos outside by himself. Maybe not the best idea. So Pine will actually stay outside. Pine will stay near the door and smoke a cigar while while Roos investigates. Just try to keep an eye on Roos. I appreciate you sticking around. So, uh, Pine, since you're going to be staying um, outside, Roos, you can make uh, an investigation check uh, with advantage. Um, a 22 with advantage. Perfect. Okay. You are scouring through the grass and kind of looking around to see if you can spot anything out of the ordinary. Ebby and Nari uh, go into the bar. Um, we'll get back to Pine and Roos in a little bit. Um, Ebby and Nari, you guys walk into the bar. You see people sitting around enjoying themselves. As you open the door, you can hear like laughter and you can see that this person who is standing up and uh, they are reciting some poetry and they are reciting some uh, pretty bad poetry. I mean, it's like um, all these and thous and trying to sound elegant and smart. And you can see that this this poor woman is just kind of faltering up oh. there um nobody's oh. nobody's paying attention um uh except for there is one guy who is paying very close attention big smile on his face nari she needs a new muse <laughs> <laughs> she does ebby doesn't really pay attention to the fact that she's bombing up there i don't know that ebby would know the difference of good poetry or bad poetry <laughs> but he does know that he he's about to cast a spell and that's going to sound and look kind of strange if people aren't distracted. So he's going to grab some gold out of his pocket and hand it to Nari and say, I need you to create a diversion. Can you loudly purchase drinks for everyone in the bar while I cast the spell? Absolutely. So Nari will kind of wander away from Ebby a little bit and um, stand close to the person who is poorly doing poetry and yes. after they finish their like last poem she will say oh my goodness that was so amazing drinks on on me yes congratulations beautiful and like clap really loudly throw the like sparkles that Abby gave her and then um, give some gold <laughs> to the bartender <laughs> <laughs> yes queen you come in and throw glitter in the air pocket glitter <laughs> as you do this as you like um you, you uh you, you offer you, you get a there's a huge round of applause and you realize it's not for her it is for the free drinks um but yes ebby that gives you enough time to cast your spell with uh no one the wiser um what is the distance on detect magic it is a 30 foot radius. So if it's possible, can Ebby have kind of located or moved just a little bit closer towards the middle of the room? Of course. Is it is it like a one round thing? Minutes. Concentration up to 10 minutes. You can move around wherever you want to then. Okay, great. At the point where you cast it, though, there is you don't you do not detect any magic where you cast it. The bartender starts, uh, the bartender is like short, like really short, like barely over three and a half feet tall. It looks really old, like a white beard, white hair, kind of a frazzled look. And when you say drinks for everybody, you see uh, he grins and then he kind of frowns because that means he's got a lot of work to do. And he gets down off this little stool and starts filling up mugs and sliding them across the bar and everything. Everyone starts walking up to the bar to get their free drinks. And people are coming up clapping you on the back, Nari. And hey, thanks for the drink. Hey, this is great. Woohoo. Um, that kind of thing. Um, Ebby, are you moving through the bar more? Uh, yeah, Ebby is going to kind of meander his way up to the bar while everybody's kind of 
getting their drinks and everything and kind of try to move near this girl. The girl at the bar is, is one of the servers. She's grabbing drinks and she's like handing them out to people as fast as they can come and get them. Got it. Perfect. So, yeah, I'm just kind of just kind of trying to scan the place. So just kind of make the round. So I'll move up to the bar and kind of pretend to see something out the window and then walk south a little bit. Once you once you start walking south uh, towards more the middle and, and southern part of the bar, um, kind of approaching the window in the fireplace around the south wall, um, you do detect magic. You get a very distinct ping of magic coming from that the southernmost door on that eastern wall. It looks like behind the bar, there's a door that leads to the kitchen, and then there's another door a little further south that maybe like a private dining or a study, or like a or a like a little conference room of some kind. That door is. Not so much the door, the handle. There is magic on the handle. Ooh, okay. So probably a spell of some kind. Is it? Is it the? Is it the explosive trap school of magic? <laughs> it's abjuration magic, y'all. It's abjuration magic. But that's the only magic that you detect, at least here in your um, in your line of sight. That's kind of where we're at at this point. Those two guards are kind of standing. Um, uh, they both get their drinks as well. They kind of look at each other like, should we be drinking these while we're on duty? And then they kind of, you know, they kind of uh, sheepishly start drinking their, uh, their, their beers that uh, Nari bought for everybody. You're supposed to buy double shots for the guards and just the cheapest ale for everybody else. I was literally going to say, like, Nari kind of comes by, like, and puts her arm around the guards. And is like, hey, drink up, my friends, and, like, slips them. A little bit of an extra shot. <laughs> okay. We're going to make wisdom saves for these guys. Um, okay. One of them, uh, he kind of like says, hey, no, no thanks. I'm working. And the other guy actually, um, with his natural five, grabs the other guy's shot. And he has two shots. <laughs> one of the guys is getting lit. And the other one is at least a little bit more professional. Going back outside. Pine, you are smoking a cigar. Finally putting that a uh, little piece back into your uh, your character description um, <laughs> as Roos is uh, kind of uh, surveying the area, kind of going along, looking at the grass, um, looking for other like um, markings or, or any other hints as to what happened here. And uh, Roos, you're not necessarily much of a like a tracker. Well, I mean, I always thought of you as more of like an urban bounty hunter, you know, tracking down leads as opposed to tracking down footprints. Yeah, not not so much like tracking him like where he went, but like figuring out what happened, where was he standing, like where did he like throw that sort of thing. Right, exactly. Um, so you um, you see where the crystal like dust is and just a little ways further south, you actually in the grass, you spot um, a little spent cartridge uh, from a gun. Uh, just kind of with your with your investigation, it looks like the person shot at Amarok and then scooted south. With that information, there is a very real possibility that as you guys were running here to the inn, you may have passed by the shooter themselves and not even known it. Mr. Pine, I think we walked right past the assailant on our way here. Oh, really? And I'll hand the cartridge over to Mr. Pine. So you think that they left the other way? That's what it looks like. He was described as having, you know, a cloak. So I, I, I wouldn't really have any way to track him from from here. But if we can get some more information, then then we can probably find him. I wonder if Ebby has any magical means of of maybe tracking the uh, the firearm. 
let me see. Let me see if, if Squire might be able to help me out with this. Roos, you surprise me. Yeah? Be- well, you're becoming so skilled in these other abilities that, you know, it's been a long time since you were the one throwing crystals at the ground. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's been a minute since I've done that. I think you're finding the strength that the rest of us have seen in you for a while. That inner strength. <laughs> I mostly just rely on, on Squire and Gigi. Most of this really isn't me. You're bashful. <laughs> that, a, that a true leader does everything through the people that report to them. Uh, I, I see you're on that still. It's delegation. That's right, delegation. <laughs> the manager takes credit for the work of the peon. It just is how it works. That's not right. No, Squire does most of it. Gigi does the healing. I just tell him where to go. Give yourself more credit. Okay, well, should we... Do you think you could follow it? I mean, should we get the others, or should we split the party? I have an idea, but uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure if it'll work. So let's see what they find inside. We'll follow this, my, my lead later. Okay. Are you guys going to wander on in, then? I think I think after casing the joint, Ebby's going to go back to the to the door, and I mean, yeah, the the lock had abjuration magic, and there's the guards, but that doesn't necessarily, I don't know, to Ebby's mind, that's not enough to trigger it. It just means they don't want somebody to go in there that might not be the shooter. As you are, as you and Nari are kind of hanging out in here, um, and you kind of head back towards the door, um, the door that. Um, was locked uh, magically, it suddenly opens. And out of that room steps um, a tall man. Um, he, he has uh, horns. He's got blue, uh, kind of like a, almost like a, uh, what's the word? Like a light blue uh, scaling uh, to his body. Um, he steps out. He's got a big grin on his face. He is, uh, as he steps out, he's putting this book, kind of tucking it into a pouch um, at his waist. And he turns around and he gives a little bow. And Nari, I think you're close enough to hear what he says. Um, he just says, it's been a pleasure doing business with you. And I look forward to the races today. As he then turns around and starts heading out of the inn. Um, he starts moving through the common room out towards the door. And steps out of the inn um as he is leaving the the inn then um the guards as soon as the door opened and he stepped out both guards the drunk one and the not drunk one they both stand up uh, a little more at attention they both kind of slide their drinks away to um, hide the fact that they were drinking on the job as you see a um kind of a, a heavy set tall man uh, step out. He's got dark hair. He's got um, a very well manicured beard and mustache. He is dressed, you know, in the style of Calta, but you can tell that the clothing is is nice. It's made out of expensive fabrics. You know, there's some silk, like a little silk half cape um, over his shoulder. He comes stepping out and uh, he's kind of wiping his mouth uh, with a napkin. Looks like he had been eating something. And uh, from behind him also steps this deacon. And this deacon is currently carrying like um, basically a treasure chest, but like a small chest um, and just kind of carrying it um, as a, you know, basically as a laborer. Is this man the, the same one that we saw at the temple, the, the, the seawater temple? This would be, yeah, this would be that large heavy set man that Amarok was following, yes. 
and he's got this deacon with him, this deacon servant carrying uh, carrying his stuff for him. Um, this man steps out. Uh, he addresses the two guards, and he says, "Come on, we're going home." And uh, then he starts to leave the tavern as well. As you guys are standing there, I don't even need to make uh, perception checks for Nari and for Ebby. Um, you see that the employees here at the bar, the bartender, and then the, like the, the the servers and things who are moving through the bar, they are definitely standing up straighter. They are like kind of giving half bows to this guy. They're um, uh, waving and they're very polite as he moves past them. He does not even take notice of them. And then he, his two guards, and this deacon, they also exit out of the inn and they head uh, kind of around the corner and they start heading east. So, um, oh, real quick. So you saw this blue-scaled man head kind of as he left. Uh, this would be Pine and uh, Roos can see this. He heads west. And then this rich man with his servants, they head east. I think Ebby's going to leave while he still has his, his detect magic field up. Um, so he can go back to where the shot was fired as well. But he is definitely seeing that that the Ormec that he had basically seen at the bathhouse, he also has kind of zeroed in on his target. And so while he still wants to figure out the mystery of who shot Amarok, it's kind of now being superseded to an extent by the fact that here is the, our quarry. You know, like this is what we're, we've been after. As as he as the deacon walked by carrying that chest, you see that the chest also the lock on the chest is also um, has an arcane an abjuration enchantment on it. Got it. Okay. And I think Nari would kind of follow Ebby, like a little bit concerned about. I mean, to be honest, like his mental stability, like seeing these things. So she's kind of going to just follow him very closely to make sure that he's doing okay. Mr. Pine, can I see that shell casing again? Yeah, I'll hand the shell casing back to Roos. So we we saw the blue scaled man head out, but from our perspective, he's nothing special. He's just a dude coming out of the inn. So we don't on the outside, we don't know that he was talking with with the other guy. But he is the first person that you saw leave the inn. So you did make note of him leaving, but not that he was necessarily important. Okay. Roos is gonna ask Squire. Say, Squire. Look at this. You see the shell casing. I need you to find an identical shell casing to it. Just let me know where it's at. And I'm going to cast Squire. Where did I leave that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, fantastic. Um, so Squire, um, he kind of looks at this shell casing for a second. You're holding out in his hand or in your hand. He reaches in, into his like back behind out, out of his pantalons. He pulls out this comically huge magnifying glass and starts looking at it. <laughs> his pantaloons are a bag of holding. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> his Mary Poppins bag is the back of his pants. Anyway, uh, so he looks at this shell casing for, you know, um, just a, a little bit and then poof, disappears. And so I'm guessing this has like a range of 500 feet. A thousand feet. Uh, okay, so because it's an object that is um, similar, but not the exact object, it would do the nearest similar object. The nearest. Okay, yeah, easy. Um, nearest similar object um, at a thousand feet. We will say you get it. How long does this last? Ten minutes? Yeah, ten minutes. Currently, no ping. Okay, if you'd like, I can sprint south and see if I can find anything, but I, I don't sense them anywhere nearby. Okay, well, if they went south, maybe that'd be the best course of action. Um, Ebby and Nari are coming out. Maybe we should 
just touch base with them before we split up. Okay. Ebby walks up to Roos and Pine and uh, he's a little bit excited. He's like, well, there wasn't much inside the inn. Uh, there was a secret meeting room. I could detect that obviously they didn't want people in there that shouldn't be in there. When they came out, there was an individual that was blue skinned, had horns, and he he took off. And then the the Ormec that we had seen at the bathhouse pine, uh, he was here. Um, and they they uh, he had an entourage. There was a man with him and the one that we saw at the bathhouse as well. And then his guards, his retinue, uh, and they took off. Did you by chance see which direction they went? Well, it looks like they went around the, the north end of the inn and were heading east. Do you, want to, do you want to follow them? The gentleman with the blue skin went west. And the, the attacker? I'm fairly certain the, the assailant went south. I have a good chance of finding him, but I've got to be quick. Ebby, if you want to follow this man... We, we could send Amrock again, but obviously it was dangerous. You and I can go north and to the east and see if we can't uh, follow at a distance. Nari, do you want to accompany uh, Roos and head south? I don't mind doing that. It seems like we're dealing with several dangerous people, though, and I, I'm not sure splitting us up is the best decision. To be fair, we're several dangerous people as well. <laughs> That's true. I, I see. I understand your concern. I wasn't planning on engaging. Just want to find out information. We just want to know where this guy lives. And let me be explicitly clear: I will liberate that Ormek, and I will do it now. That is literally my concern. <laughs> literally, my my biggest fear is um, love you to death, Abby. And then she'll kind of like Nari will kind of lean into everyone else and say, but like. I mean, I think he might liberate this Ormac no matter what the danger is. Okay, at this point, Roos, you've used up a minute of your spell. Okay, well, I'm going to start heading south. Nari's going to follow Roos because that's what, yeah, she'll just follow Roos. You can stay with Ebby. I'll be back as fast as I can. I'm not going to let you go out on your own. Like, God, you <laughs> die without me. <laughs> I'm not going to fight anybody. I'm just going to look. <laughs> Yeah, but if you do need to fight somebody, I might as well do that for you. You're right, because I can't hit anything. <laughs> two and two. Come on, Abby, let's go. Roos and Nari are like, they're like badgering each other back and forth as they're like running, like at a sprint. <laughs> <laughs> we are actually going to follow then Pine and Ebby first, because there's actually more that can happen uh, for them time-wise, okay? Pine and Ebby, you guys go around the north side of this inn and you see that this um, this wealthy man with his Ormac and his two guards, they get into this wagon. Um, the wagon looks very well made and they actually keep heading east. The road is not so much a road now, it's more of a path. And as you look ahead, the path looks like it winds through some, some grasslands and then there are some like farmer's fields uh, further on. You can see uh, there are like hedges separating out different fields of, of different things, uh, different plants and different uh, vegetables, that kind of thing. There's an orchard or two. Um, you can see a few different barns as well as you can see that there is like a very large manor um, house at the very far, far eastern edge of this farmland. You can see smaller farmhouses at some of these other farms, but then at the very furthest east, you see this very large, um, it's a very large building. 
and um, this rich man in his wagon with his two guards and his uh, Ormek, uh, they start heading east along this path uh, towards these farms. If we hurry, Pine, we can waylay them. You want to rob them? I want to liberate that Ormek. Let me be very clear about that. I know, but what I'm saying is you want to, middle of the day, attack the carriage rather than waiting for cover of night or something. We can disguise ourselves. You could even stay hidden. I can attempt to stay hidden. I'm with you, Ebby. Don't get me wrong. I'm with you. I think this may be an unnecessary risk. If we wait a few hours, we may be able to do this under cover of dark. At least we can see where they're going. Uh, we have... We have them now, though. I... Ebby is clearly struggling. Mm-hmm. Actually, can can I have Pine? Can you try to roll a persuasion check on Ebby? I can. I think that sounds awesome. That's a twenty-one. Give him a big hug. <laughs> yes. Oh no, I am. I am. I am hugging Ebby, and I'll say, Ebby, you've been through so much. Honestly, yeah. If you hug him, you will feel that he is like like quivering with like anxiety and adrenaline if he had it right like he is mm-hmm. he is like humming right now with the desire to like l- go in and, and wreck crap and get that thing out of there needs a big hug yes pine, yeah pine is just pine is embracing ebby and he'll say ebby i know you've been through so much we will liberate this Ormek. I don't know that you understand what it's like to see your people be killed in this way and subjugated at every turn, and you can do nothing about it. You can't even cry because your body doesn't even have the faculty to do that. Ebi, our situations are different, but I have seen my people die and fall to an oppressive force, and I was powerless to do anything about it. I'm here for you. I'm here with you. I also don't want you throwing away your life. We can do this smart, and I'm with you. And I will help you liberate that Ormek. Ebby kind of hangs his head. Wait, real quick. So that 21 was a success? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Or it, okay, okay. I was gonna wonder. I was wondering if Ebby was gonna make a wisdom save or not. <laughs> no, no, no. I I set my own little. <laughs> difficulty i hope you don't mind <laughs> please no that's awesome i love that stuff ebby's gonna hang his head and nod and then he'll say i'm sorry pine i know you've been and seen many things and your people have been through much and i apologize for the rashness of my actions and his head is just still kind of hung low but he's he's ready to kind of give up on the chase a little bit ebby You're a good man. I'm not even a man. I lost my humanity, or whatever it was that I had. Ebby, I don't know about that. As you say that, Ebby, you hear just a little bit of muttering from Neum. Nothing substantial, nothing um, even understandable, but you do hear like a little muttering from Neum in the back of your mind. Ebby, you have humanity in you. You feel more than any of the rest of us. You are more closely tied to the suffering of the world around you. What is that but humanity? I think to those words, Ebby doesn't really say anything. He's just kind of like absorbing it. His head's, you know, kind of 
turned low a little bit. He's nodding slightly. And the moment he heard some of Neum's kind of utterances, that like kind of snapped him out of some of that, uh, some of his spiraling a little bit, if you will. And now he is uh, much more mollified because, you know, now he's like, what's this? You know, like Neum is reconnecting. So, yeah, he he has been kind of mollified for the moment and kind of follows Pine back. Perfect. Okay. Yeah, we'll we'll start heading back toward I mean, without a without a more concrete destination, I think Pine would be leading Ebby back toward the East Bridge Inn. Okay. So you guys aren't gonna follow at all. Well, I mean, we can see that there's a big manor house and he seems to be the richest guy in town, probably owns the wooden palisade. I think it's pretty safe to say that that's where he lives. So why don't you make a quick insight check, both of you? That's a nat 20 for a 20. Oh, dude. Okay. Ooh, and Abby got a 23. And just so you guys know, after that nat 20, I'm in my office by myself doing the degeneration X suck it motion. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Like X-Pac and Shawn Michaels and Triple H and Billy Gunn. (laughs) As you kind of turn around to head back into the city, you look back at the farm fields and it looks like now as you look at it, you can see that there are three distinct farms. They're all kind of, they border each other, but it looks like there's three distinct farms. As you are looking at these farms, you can tell that if it's brown, flush it down. If it's (laughs) yellow, let it mellow. If it's red, go see a doctor. (laughs) (laughs) If it's black, that means that the blood is coming from in your bowel. Yes, yes. Black tarry stool. Okay, we don't need to talk about this, you guys. Come on. (laughs) Oh, gosh. So as you're looking at these farms, you see that there's three distinct farms. It looks like the first one, like if you're going from west to east, kind of towards that manor house, definitely the furthest one, actually the furthest one east, we'll start there, is definitely the richest looking farm like the buildings are new and they are um like the the manor house is big and sprawling um the one that's on furthest to the west that's kind of closest to town um that one looks uh kind of more uh like your typical normal farm what you would expect and then kind of the one in the middle is definitely more rundown um and so you got like basically these three tiers of farms here in calta definitely uh distinct um, distinct differences between the three different groups uh, with the families, whatever, who are, who are doing this farming. As you guys head back into Kelta, as we jump further south to Rus and Nari as they dash through the city. You guys are, I'm guessing, taking dash, dash actions. So yeah. you're running like uh, 60 feet per round. That's 10 feet every second. I, I think that's pretty fast. Um, I mean, it's faster than I can run. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, um, so you guys are scooting through town. Um, You start to run. um, And, you know, so you figure with the, um, if you guys kind of sprint the whole way, you guys can pretty much make it to the southern edge of town. Like I said, this city is not massive. Okay. Um, You guys can probably make it most of the way through the city before your spell wears off. And that's pretty much what happens. You don't have to have line of sight or anything. You just have to be within this radius. As you are running through the city, you run across the bridge, um, trying to detect something. Um, You kind of scoot by the castle there that's more on the southern side of the city. And as you are getting around towards the um, southern edge of the castle, towards the church of Lady Balbarel, 
right on the edge of your perception, you hear Squire's voice say, here, by the gate. And um, you instinctually know that to um, kind of the south, there is a gate leaving the city uh, on the south side that Squire detected one of those shell casings, one of those bullets, basically, right as your spell ends. Okay, so that's what you were able to get with one casting of that spell. Okay, Nari, I've got something. Are you okay if we keep going? Yeah, I mean, at this point, there's no turning back, right? <laughs> All right. Squire, I needed to keep an eye on, on that shell casing and, and lead me to it. We're going to run, and I will cast it one more time. All right. Um, you take the little second or two to cast it, and because it happened literally at the edge of your perception, when you cast it again, uh, he can't detect that casing. But as you continue to move south towards the gate, um, kind of the city gate to the south, um, you pick it up again um, as it is moving south uh, by southwest, actually, out and away from the city. As you come bolting out of the city gate and you glance towards the southwest, you can see that there are um, houses and some shops and things. This is more like uh, the suburbs, um, you know, not nearly as much structure to how things are placed um, out here. You know, you get um, I like to think of this as like, what's that town in Witcher 3? Like the first town you're at, like White Hill, is that what it's called? Something like that? Something like that. It's like White Church or White Chapel. White Orchard. Yes. White Orchard, White Orchard. Yeah, so basically it's just kind of like houses and like uh, wandering paths and it's all dirt, you know. You, you might have an, uh, like a little tavern, you might have a little shop. You have a lot of houses, you have like kids running around. Um, it is kind of your classic medieval uh, village feel. Um, and as you guys get out there, um, Roos, there's no mistaking, this casing is southwest of you. All right, we've got about eight minutes left. Let's keep running, I think we can find this. Can you tell how fast it's moving? you are gaining i think we're moving a little bit faster than it because we're running and, and this person seems to be just moving at a regular pace all right well let's hustle um as you guys move through this um this uh kind of dirt streets and everything you get to the very edge of kind of civilization and you can tell that at this point you're probably maybe 500 feet behind um, uh, this shell casing. And you look out to the Southwest and you can see that there is kind of grassy plains. And then about half a mile from where you're at, the forest starts. And as you look out there, you know that casing is somewhere between you and the forest, but you can't see anybody. The person might be invisible but it's in between us and the forest. Should we split up and try to surround them? I don't have a way of seeing anybody if they're invisible. Your sister does. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to remind me. <laughs> we can run out there and maybe try and spot something, but the spell's going to wear off and I won't be able to do this again until tomorrow. Well, should we maybe try to like circle around and uh, each go in the opposite direction and maybe try to circle the the person? Yeah, it's and I'll kind of point towards the tree line. Like I'm detecting it kind of in that that area. I'll come around here on the on the north if you want to kind of swing around to the south. Absolutely. 
yeah, you can tell from where you stopped the the shell, the the bullet is um, not in the trees yet. I'll start running, and and I think we're going to kind of try and come at it from like a pincer move. Yep. Well, let me do something real quick. I am going to roll some dice. Why not? Roll low. Roll low. I rolled a natural 12. Let's see what that actually ends up meaning, though. You start to circle around um, where you're pretty sure this um, this bullet is. It's continuing to move southwest uh, towards the forest. Um, and uh, you, uh, even though you're sprinting, the the bullet continues on the same path. Apparently this um, bad roll or, or not great perception, um, but it's continuing on uh, the same path towards the forest. Oh man, it's a really slow, low velocity bullet, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's been shot and it's moving like 20 feet per round. <laughs> Uh, no, the bullet is moving. Uh, I mean, it's moving. Uh, it's not running, um, but it's moving with um, intention, right? Um, and you guys start to circle uh, kind of around it. We'll say that right about the time your spell ends, you determine that um, you have not managed to get in front of the bullet, but you are definitely parallel. So you are as far from the forest as the bullet is. Both of you have kind of circled around side to side and you are one of you is kind of a little bit further north of it. One of you is a little bit further south of it. And you are all kind of equidistant from the forest and your spell ends. You still do not see anything. <sighs> halt! <laughs> oh, you're going you're gonna to shout out. Yeah, Nari's going Nari to shout and just like demand, like, stop. We've obviously caught you. <laughs> okay here let's keep doing some rolls this is fun okay nari's facing just a little bit the wrong direction <laughs> <laughs> yeah but i'm looking tough <laughs> she's like blinking on robin hood men in tights oh my gosh <laughs> all right um i want i want nari and Roos both to make perception checks both of you make them with disadvantage with disadvantage i got 27 holy cow I'm very perceptive. I I saw the grass bend. You did. With disadvantage, I got 24. Okay, so you guys are both looking for something. You guys know that you're dealing with something invisible. And um, the grass here, I mean, it's not like cut down or mowed down by like sheep or anything very often. So the grass is kind of growing and it's kind of, you know, about knee height right now. You, um, as you yell halt, suddenly you see a, like a, a quick scrambling of grass as there is obviously a figure moving southwest running as fast as they can towards the trees. You still cannot see the figure, but you can definitely, now that you've zeroed in on it, you can both tell where this figure is going and you can see the grass moving. All right, let's make chase. You guys make chase as you follow the grass, uh, the moving grass. You know that you will not be able to catch this figure um, before they reach the forest unless you guys can do something that I don't know about. I used my big spells, but let me see. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I have anything good, but I, I would still want to follow them. You have hand axes. Yeah, I mean, at this point, you you figure at this point, you guys have converged kind of you are about maybe 120, 130 feet behind this figure um, as they are scrambling through the grass. 
I'm just going to keep sprinting and trying okay. to keep my eye on the the movements in the foliage and like branches and stuff as they're getting kicked and moved around. Yeah, are they close enough that I feel like I could throw my hand axe? I think my range is like 100. Well, it's like I think is it is it like 10 slash 100? Yeah, no, it's it's 20, no, 60, so no. You know that's out, that's out of range. Yeah, no, I would just I would follow Roos um and do my best to try to stay on top of him. Perfect. Yeah. You guys dash past or dash after this this uh, invisible figure as it moves uh, through the grass and suddenly breaks into the tree line with your guys's awesome perception checks. I'm not going to make you roll again because that was amazing. Um, the grass gives way to trees. And now instead of following the moving grass, now you guys can actually hear and see the snapping twigs and the rustling bushes as this figure continues their sprint. To the southwest are you guys continuing to give chase into the forest yes and Roos is gonna call out and say we just have questions you continue following this figure as it continues to move through the forest the more you run the more difficult it will be good cop bad cop <laughs> <laughs> i brought donuts i'm just kidding <laughs> i'm gonna break your face <laughs> as you guys are running through the forest um you can see the brush moving you can see the branches and you can hear like little grunts and uh, as uh this figure is like bumping into trees and stuff and suddenly you hear this after you're running through the forest about um you know two minutes chasing this figure you hear this boom like this huge massive foot stomp and you hear the creaking of a tree as something big moves past a tree. Are there ants in this area? You hear the low rumble of this deep, throaty growl. There is something big here in the forest moving through the forest. Are you guys continuing to chase the figure or are you guys going to deal with this large whatever it is? I'm just going to keep chasing the figure and be aware of the large creature. But okay, Nari's going to follow Roos. She would not feel good if she lost uh, Kira's brother as perfect less important as he might be <laughs> as you guys we are all giving feel it <laughs> as you guys are giving chase as they're giving chase uh, ebby and pine are back at the at the inn and pine's like i wish you could taste the ceviche i don't know what bruce was saying about needing salt it's delicious <laughs> <laughs> the perfect seasoning Roos and Nari, there is a, the figure is moving, continuing to move southwest through the trees. You can see there's like some kind of a path, um, very overgrown, um, barely seen in places, but this figure is following some kind of a path. There are trees in your way. It's hard to see what's ahead. I am going to have um, Roos and Nari both make another perception check as you are racing through the forest. Disadvantage this time or um this time not disadvantage 21 Roos got a 25 Roos and nari as you come rushing into this forest you see something big you can see like a leg 
of something, something large, something like a deep, dark green. As you rush through the forest, the trees are moving aside, and suddenly you guys come into this clearing and you see a large green dragon right in front of you. And it looks at you. This isn't a dungeon. Holy crap. (laughs) It looks at you, Roos, and you, Nari, and lets out this huge bellowing roar. And that is where we're going to stop for tonight. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, but to be clear, is this this the creature that Roos was tracking or no? No. Okay. This seems to be the creature that Pine heard about in the temple. This is actually not where we're going to stop. I mean, we are stopping, but with the 25 perception check, as you are approaching this, Nari, you cannot help but be um, in awe of this massive creature. This is, um, you know, easily 15 feet tall, um, bellowing, like flexing its muscles. Wings are flared. Roos? We've seen bigger robots. You catch the slightest glimpse in the dirt, kind of in this little clearing, a little flash of something sparkly buried in the dirt, and it looks like it might be dark blue. And that's where we're going to end for tonight. (laughs) (laughs) All right, you guys. Hey, thanks for playing today. We have split the party again. It seems like that's a a running theme. But things in Calta are apparently not necessarily as they seem. A lot of um, interesting... uh, Blue crystals. (laughs) A lot of interesting dark blue crystals. So, hey, if you... Well, you like what we're doing. This is episode, what, 74? So... Except for that one guy... I think he's gone now. And it's 75. It's episode yeah, oh, 75. Okay. Well, and, and for the rest of you, hey, thanks for sticking around. Come join our Discord so you can chat with us about what's going on. You can go check out our Patreon if you want some bonus content. If you want to see like the map that they're on right now, this forest clearing, or if you want to see the wooden palisade, that whole tavern, that whole inn is up on the wiki for you to peruse and look through. You want to see demon toys? Yes. <laughs> if you want to see a baby at the beach, a, a demon baby baby doll at the beach, yes, you can go find that too in the city of Marlick. <laughs> yes. Yes, you can. Anyway, so until we get together next time, we hope you continue having a great time. <laughs>